Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and joining me in a marriage to join our kingdoms and protect the planet is Heather. Hi, everybody. You're not actually marrying me because you're already married, but... Well, yeah. Yeah, sir. But but that fire ceremony was way cooler than the, the goofy candle thing we did. So you're willing to risk uh, a bigamy charge for the, the opportunity to have, like, a fire wedding? That's the... Well, no. Order, order is important. Well, the one guy had, was it Seven Wives? Liam Neeson's character? Yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, different world. I don't, I don't think they put a lot of thought into anything in this <laughs> well, no. So, So, if you hadn't guessed, we're doing Krull, and now, God, I need, I really need reading glasses. So, Krull premiered on the 29th of April, 1983. It was directed by Peter Yates. It was written by Stanford Sherman, stars Ken Marshall who we thought had done nothing, but turns out he played Commander Eddington in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So like you put it, somewhere along the line, he took acting lessons. Yeah. If only he'd done it before this film. Lisette Anthony, who is still bitter by the fact that they dubbed over her voice with American. Ouch. She's still bitter about that. I watched the When I bought the, the DVD for this, they had a, a commentary, and apparently she's still pissed about this. Well, yeah. Yeah, they actually did a comic, like a Kroll comic, and they had the two actors read it. For the DVD. Ooh. And it's really bad. Oh. Because they didn't want to go back to this part, but they figured, okay, whatever. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. But it also stars Freddie Jones, who played Thufur Hawat in Dune. He just passed away a few weeks ago. And Francesca Annis, who played Lady Jessica in Dune. She's the widow of the web here. And Liam Neeson is in this <laughs> film. This is back in the day. And Robbie Coltrane. You're a wizard. Harry. Yeah. So this so it was rated PG. It's pretty standard. So, of course, what's the standard movie package we, we always have for a budget? 15. 15. This was 50. Which, which five, was zero. A, five zero, which is unfortunate because it only made 16.5. So, this movie was uh, what we would call a fucking disaster uh, in terms of financially. <laughs> but that's mostly because it was a fucking disaster on, on the screen. <laughs> that's actually not fair. It was, it was a fun... It's a fun film. I mean, it's... You know, when I watch these films... Sometimes I, I miss the fact that it's a bad film because I'm just so used to watching it because I see them so often. There's almost like a, a follow-through from when I was a kid. But then I get to watch these films with someone who hasn't seen them since they're kids and I realize, they're ridiculous. <laughs> this film is ridiculous. It, t- it totally is. <laughs> so when is the first time you saw this? Do you recall? Uh, that's 10-ish. Um, possibly in the theater. I s- really? I seem, to, I seem to recall it being like a, a Tuesday night uh, like a mat, like or the t- cheap, Tuesday summer matinee or, cheap, or cheap something. Tuesday yeah. Thing. yeah. Uh, it's funny. I remember very specifically because uh, in Calgary, they used to have Rogers in the south of Calgary and Shaw in the north. That's how they divided up cable TV. And they each had their own set of channels. That's why like Global was called channels two and they called it two and seven. That's actually, you can actually find the uh, Hello Calgary song on YouTube. Awesome. And, it's, and they call themselves two and seven. So if you were in the north, it was two. In the south, it was Channel Seven. It was it was different. The only yeah. thing that was the same was uh, CBC, which is six everywhere. But anyway, we had Super Channel, and they had the Movie Channel. And I was at a friend's house, and I saw an advertisement for the Movie Channel, and they were showing a trailer for this movie. On a distant planet, a great kingdom was ravaged by beings who came from the future. <laughs> Conquer the universe. Now, the only survivors follow a doubtful seer and a throneless king. They will hold her in the Black Fortress. You must have help. Thieves, bandits, fighters, and brawlers. Desperate men. Those are the kind of men I need. Well, you heard him. We are now an army. <laughs> At the end of an impossible journey, they must fight an invincible enemy. Here's the knowledge you seek. I shall be your king. In the fortress, you will face more than the slayers. What is about to happen to them? 
could never have happened on Earth. Columbia Pictures presents a world apart from anything you have seen before. Crawl. And I thought, oh, I can't wait for this. And for whatever reason, Super Channel didn't get it for months. Oh. And I was super pissed about that. I think, can't we have the station from the north? Like, well, no, we don't live in North Calgary. It's not an option. That's like peak 80s right there. (laughs) This was obviously a Super Channel deal for me. My parents sure as heck weren't going to watch it. I mean, my mother sort of watched bits with with us. I promise you, this is the first time she'd seen that. (laughs) And also, coincidentally, the the last. last. I actually think this might have been one of the ones that, actually the one where we may have learned that some of us couldn't eat popcorn and uh yeah you choked on the popcorn no no uh, uncle uncle rob's car uh Bunch. suffered on the way home suffered did it <laughs> <laughs> too much popcorn or you just dropped it it came back out oh dear well that was that's <clears throat> that's, that's that might ple- be an overshare that's a pleasant story yeah. so well when it was his turn to watch us he he used to like take us to Cheap movies. And this is definitely a cheap movie. Actually, it's not. It's a $50 million film. But it, it, it kept us busy for like days after. Build, building a glaive. Trying to build a glaive. And, and, and scaling the uh, fortress. Fortress. <laughs> Fence. <laughs> no, no. We had a secret fort built out of old pallets. Wow, that's cool, actually. <laughs> you had more fun. Cool or tetanus or... or Lots you know, of splinters or gravity inducing, you know. gravity inducing. Yeah, funny how gravity works. Yeah. Not <laughs> on this film so much, but you know, it. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure they turned shot that upside down. I think they did a few of them that way, but those glaive shots where he catches the glaive—that oh, yeah. is totally, totally not, yeah. uh, totally not a reverse shot. He absolutely did that for real. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And kept kept all his fingers. Yes, absolutely. Same with fire. That black outline around his hand—that was totally not like a well, blue screen. Because it was magic fire. Magic fire, that's right. We'll go, we'll go with that. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's go through this winter. I don't think it's going to take us very long. <laughs> so it starts off actually with really good music. Music for this film was done by James Horner, who did Star Trek II, Star Trek Three, and as you noted, <laughs> we could tell. It, you could tell it's the same music. Like it's if you laid the soundtrack side by side, like oh, and that's where they arrive in space dock at the beginning of Star Trek Three, and oh, that's where they had the fight of the Mutara Nebula, and like it's. But the main theme, like the flourish for Kroll, is really good. Oh yeah, it was great. It's just he put out. It's like he had time to pump out one good piece of music and then he just said okay here here's my crap from the from star trek go push together what you want yeah yeah. just you go you go girl yeah so the music is really good and then you know we're seeing sort of in space the the fortress come at us so there's kind of a weird sci-fi or it's like they tried to make it a sci-fi movie that's not really fantasy i'm not sure what it was almost like somebody's dnd campaign plus Plus um, $50 million. Plus $50 million <laughs> for, you know, one-shot energy weapons. Yeah, I guess. It's, you know, you hear this voice at the beginning, which is Freddie Jones' voice saying, you know, a woman with ancient name will choose her. This it was given me to know, that many worlds have been enslaved by the beast and his army, the Slayers. And this too was given me to know, that the beast would come to our world, the world of Krull, and his black fortress would be seen in the land, that the smoke of burning villages would darken the sky and the cries of the dying echo through deserted valleys. But one thing I cannot know, whether the prophecy be true, 
that a girl of ancient name shall become queen, that she shall choose a king, and that together they shall rule our world, and that their son shall rule the galaxy. Whatever, sure. So it's got you know it's it's got all the the fantasy tropes, and yet the beast is from outer space. So okay, whatever. Or the swamp. Or the wherever. Yeah, it's hard to tell. <laughs> it, was, it was nice to see this swamp thing getting extra getting extra work. Yeah, you know it, it's funny because when we finally see the beast, like, do you get the impression that they just did a really shit job on the makeup, and they said, and the director looked and said, I can't put that on film. And that's why he's always, the image is always warped. and you It's almost, just never clear. Never if, clear. Even at the end for the final battle. You never quite see him no, properly. Out of focus and, yeah, it's like, and off in the distance. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, it's, it's like the makeup artist just did a shite job and they didn't have time to redo it. Yeah. You ever see uh, the X-Files film? No. Okay, the, like the first one that, that, that went uh, between episodes? I refused. Or? So the very beginning of it takes place in, in Texas in like the Ice Age. And they show an alien, which is like a gray and it attacks and kills some cavemen, whatever. Um, there weren't <clears throat> cavemen here during the Ice Age, but we'll, we'll go with that, whatever. Anthropology is fun. Anyway, <laughs> on the day that they filmed that scene, Rob Bowman, the director, brought his son, who took one look at the alien in the costume and ran up and gave him a hug. And he realized <laughs> oh. he's not scary. <laughs> <laughs> and the feet were so bad, he made them. He made the actor take them off and put on sneakers so that he would never be tempted to get a full body shot of him. And that's why you don't see the alien except, you know, a blur in the camera and shadows because the, the makeup was so bad. Like they said, he knew something was wrong when his five-year-old son ran up and hugged him like it was it's a, a mascot. It was a mascot. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> and I think that's what kind of happened here. It's like yeah. Yates looked at that and went, I can't. I'm oh, sorry, I can't show no. this. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> just just no, yeah. <laughs> the things you do when things go wrong in a film. Yeah. So anyway, so the thing is coming through space and it, it comes across this planet, which we learned that's the name of the, Kroll is the name of the planet. Um, and it lands and cool and, and that's sort of it. And then the very next scene we see this far off castle, which we both commented it's it's kind of the architecture is kind of neat it's, it's a neat castle yeah like it's not like it's it, it's sort of like if people were building castles for thousands of years longer than they had here on earth and they had refined the look of them yeah it's funny just thinking about you know what this reminds me of the castles from game of thrones N- not in the style Cleaner. but in the way it's it's so clean in game of thrones this is a stunted society that's been medieval for forever forever yeah. for thou was it eight thousand years yeah so this is a stunted society, but in that time, the technology they have, they've done really well. Like the Red Keep is an immense feat of engineering. Yeah, they, they, um, they're good at what they do. Yeah, or Casterly Rock. Same thing, all, yeah. these, all these different castles we see, with the exception yeah, of the true. one in the north. Yeah. Uh, what's the one in the north? Uh, Winterfell. Winterfell, yeah. Um, but all the others, they look like they've had thousands of years to build them. And this has that same look to it. Like they've gotten so good at castle building, they've never gone beyond it, but they've gotten really good at it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, of course, you know, in the real world, we gave up on big castles because <laughs> they don't work. They're cold. <laughs> they're cold. Yeah, that too. But even like the, the armor that Lissa's family's guards, like the, the, the armor they have, it's got that sci-fi look to it. Yeah, it's a, it's a little Iron Man-y. A yeah, little. it kind of is, t- isn't it? Te- teeny bit. Teeny bit, yeah. But it's, 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 it's cool. Shiny and plastic. Well, yeah, it's clearly full of plastic or whatever, but uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of hard to tell. And so what we learn is that the beasts or the, you know, the beasts, um, army the slayers has sort of sort of wreaking havoc on their world and so they've lissa has arranged for a marriage between her and cowlin who is the prince from their ancient enemy 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 <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not being over dramatic compared to this film but i'm <laughs> really not you're, you're actually slightly better thank you I, I do my worst. And they're going to get married to ensure that the treaty between the two kingdoms holds because these kings clearly don't like each other. You know, Lissa's father sent troops, which, you know, we... Turned out to be 20. We sent to you for help. None came. 20 men were dispatched to you. We lost 300 getting here. Yikes. <laughs> and then, you know, Cowlin and uh, Lissa meet, and it's instant love. Well, I, th- I think they'd met before. Well, no, because remember he says, I chose wisely, and he looks her over. Like, oh, maybe. I chose well, too. And it's oh, like, yeah, so they've suppose, not yeah. they've not met before, but in- instantly they're in love. 
I, I guess when, you know, Armageddon is beaten on your door, you do what you got to do. Yeah. They have a cool wedding ceremony that night involving fire. A nearly complete one. A nearly complete one, because this is going to come a shock to our listeners, but it's interrupted by bad guys. <gasps> I know. <laughs> the Slayers, who have really amazing weaponry, but really shitty special effects. <laughs> like, when those doors came off the, the, the castle... It was like drawn white. Like I expected to see Kapow. Yeah, pre- pretty much. You know, like that was right, explosion graphic. Yeah. It was right out of like a Bugs Bunny. Yeah, it was that level. Like that's the thing. the The art direction is beautiful. Absolutely. Um, I I love the look of the castle. The look of you know even the costuming. It's nice. The music is beautiful, if recycled. But the special effects are like for fifty mil. I want to know where fifty million U.S. dollars went. Was there a cocaine issue on the set? Because, wow, those special effects are shite. So the, the Slayers come and there's a fight. Oh, those pants. I, I can't, I can't even. Wow. <laughs> this, this, this could be like this, the season of, of bad pants. Bad pants. No, we just well, need to have him. Season. Now we just have to have him turn to the camera and say, do you fancy music? <laughs> but yeah, so he's got pants that they clearly took out of the Royal Shakespeare Company's pantry. They're just, they're just tight. They look like, you know, Italian 17th century tights. They're, they're whatever. They're stripey. They're stripey. They're black and gray stripes and okay, whatever works. And like he's, he, you notice he prances around when he fights? Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't get in there. He doesn't feel like a heavy, he prances like before he watched this movie, Ken Marshall watched a lot of Errol Flynn. Yeah, and at absolutely. one point he does the swinging across. He the sure does. <laughs> Grabs hold of a rope or a curtain. Climbs or... up the stairs, There's... cuts the cuts the thing, and grabs the swings rope, across. Swings a... It's it. You know, it's it's kind of funny because that's out of a whole different era. But I get what he was going for at least. It actually kind of worked. It it does. Like you kind of you look this. Is he supposed to be dreamy? But he's pretty good looking guy. I thought. I mean. His his head seemed too big, and that's mostly because he had big hair. It got it got better t- towards the end. Yeah, I think but, it was just f- funny shots at the beginning there or something. Yeah, but I mean, he's certainly a good good enough looking guy. But and and she's she's pretty enough. I mean, they make a nice looking couple. Whatever. She's generic. Like Average. She's, yeah. she's not even an eighties girl. She's a fairy tale girl. Like yeah. she's a non entity. If she had she's not said a single word, Princess Peach. Actually, yeah, she's Princess. <laughs> Sorry, princesses in another castle. God damn it, I drive this old blind this old blind dude with me for nothing. <laughs> this is very much a D&D gone wrong thing. They had they they tried so many times and they never quite got it. No, they don't. This this was close though. I, yeah. I, I, at least we didn't like when we were when we were 10, we fell for it. Oh, totally. I, I love this film. I loved film it as when kid. I was and kid. I'll be honest, I still enjoy this film as much as I, I I'm ragging on it yeah. and we're going to destroy this film. I like this film. I can easily recommend it to anyone who has a kid. If you're looking for something deep, I got some bad news for you. Game of Thrones, this ain't. No. But... It's fun. It's fun. You know, the yes, we know that th- their ceremony, you know, their, their marriage ceremony will be interrupted. Yes, we know the Slayers will wander off with the girl, and he'll wake up the next morning and go on a quest to save her. We know this is going to happen. We know there will be obstacles o- along Obi-Wan the way. Obi-Wan Kenobi will Obi-Wan, come out of the hills. Yeah, and, and he does. <laughs> And uh, another another British actor, not quite uh, Sir Alec Guinness, and this time it's just Freddie Jones. So, <laughs> Freddie. Anyway. Was he in Captain America? The new one? Like, uh, the Marvel one? Um, Winter Soldier, I think. Freddie the Jones? Guy in the, the guy in the computer. No, 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 no. That was, that was, a, German, that was a German dude. Oh, um, sorry. No, no. Yeah, I know, I know who you're thinking of, but it's... No, S- no it's not um, him. Okay. No. So, yeah, so there's a fight, and we're already... We've, we've just blown past 15 minutes of this movie. Calvin wakes up the next morning with Yanir. Is that his name? Yanir. Y-N-I-R. Yanir, yeah. Yanir, who's the old man who knows the prophecy, because there's always some old dickhead who knows the prophecy. I like the prophecy person more from Dark Crystal, Agra. She was way cooler. Yeah, she was way better. I can't wait to see her with two eyes in Age of Resistance next month. Oh, man. We are so doing an episode Absolutely. It's coming. Once we watch it. Yeah, so listeners, wait for it. It's coming. We also got to do one for Top Gun Maverick. We kind of got it. Uh, yeah. And, and for, I think we're going to do we, we got to get Raimi for that one. Oh, that's a given. Yeah. And I think we also have to do um, Star Wars. I think we have to do that as a thing. Because it's the sequel to like our 80s, the ultimate 80s film, okay. Rise of the Skywalker. Rise of, Rise of Skywalker? Rise of the Skywalker. I don't remember which it is. Mm. Yeah, whatever. But, but we, we're definitely doing Top Gun, and we're definitely doing uh, 
D- uh, Dark Crystal. That's it. we got to do. Yeah, I thought we weren't doing Star Warses. Okay. Well, I'm, I thought we'd do the last one, and then we can just talk about Star Wars. But whatever, we'll figure sure, it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. You can you can always talk me into Star Wars. Yeah. So back to the movie we're actually watching, oh, right. which which, yeah. which costs more and, and is is much worse. Uh, yeah. Much worse. Yeah. It, pretty much what it comes down to is, uh, Kellen is a is a is a baby who discovers that uh, his daddy is dead and his wife has been stolen and literally curls into a ball and starts to cry. Well, he uh, tries to. He tries to. He doesn't. He, he is an actor, but acting did not include. Crying, or, he, or yeah, any, no, anything. Wow, yeah, He's... no. <laughs> there is no time now for grief. <laughs> you haven't lost a father and a bride on the same day. Nor have I become king on that day. And yet, as we we've said several times, when he played Commander Eddington in Deep Space Nine, that was an interesting character. Yeah, he was, that was like, really good. And, and it was well acted. And I mean, like you say, he was well directed. Deep Space Nine as a whole was very well directed. But if you don't have a good actor, it doesn't matter how good your direction is. True. You know, I like, give you mm, Marina Sirtis. But maybe, anyway. maybe there was some... <laughs> hey. <laughs> maybe like the guys in the back saying, no, no, cheese it up. <laughs> it's possible. It's hard. It really is hard to tell whether they were going... Whether in his mind he was going for 1940s Errol Flynn... Yeah, swinging maybe. from the rafters, or whether he was just really bad at it. But he's got like three credits to his name so far as I could see, and this is like the first one. Yeah. And the next one is Commander Eddington. Which was so, great. Yeah. yeah. With his lucky loony. I still remember that from the show. He had a lucky loony, a Canadian dollar coin for our American listeners. Anyway, so whiny Cowlin discovers that there's a prophecy he can find, you know, this old man can help him out. Weapon of legendary power, powerfully legendary whatever and then they go and climb mountains so we can listen to that really awesome curl music again for like five well t- at least t- ten three, minutes well each of these is a one minute one, slot two, so that's at least three minutes of him climbing i think we figured they must have filmed this in yosemite it's somewhere in the rockies like they're 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 big pointy mountains so anyway so he goes to the top of a cliff where apparently there's a <clears throat> volcano and the Something. gas and the gas doesn't get him nor does the uh, Ghostbusters slime pretending to be uh, lava. But he pulls out the glaive. The glaive, you got to admit, is, is certainly a cool-looking weapon as far as fantasy weapons go. It's a five-fingered throwing star with switchblades. I guess the yeah, that sums it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, found a, uh, I found a pattern for that for the 3D printer I want to buy. It's like, you know that's one of the first things I'm printing. So, yeah. <laughs> but It's probably going to beat the thing that we junked together from my dad's shop. <laughs> Four, and threw at each other. <laughs> Dunk, ow. Five butter knives. No. So, well, when like, you were a kid, did you ever do the the, the, th- the throwing uh, star thing where you took uh, tacks, like the plastic no. tacks? We'd take four of them together and they make little things. You could throw them and they stuck really well. But My parents were teachers. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we used to take them from our teacher's desk to make it. Why do you need that much tape? Nothing. <laughs> no, no reason whatsoever. And then, and then eventually the teacher would say, okay, hand them over, everyone. Yeah. And she'd have like 20, 20 of these little throwing stars in her hand. But... The glaive is different. It's, uh, like I said, that's an accident waiting to happen. That thing, just the way everything's curved, like that thing pops at the wrong time. And like you say, no heir to the kingdom or, you know. Femoral artery. <laughs> chronic bowel problems due to perforation. And Well, actually, no, that's not true because they have some kick-ass healing goop. Yeah. Because that... Cowlin in the fight in the castle, it goes, you, did you notice it goes through his shoulder? Not just into his shoulder. The, there was a hole in the back yeah, of his it's, shirt. It's the tr- traditional left shoulder hole through yeah. injury. And he puts some slime on it. And like three days later, it's like when you it's gone. When you, left, you know that 80s candy in, in the car and it got all hot and melty? That's what it reminded me of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they clearly have pretty good medicine, sort of goop ish and whatever. Like when, when, uh, when that idiot uh, wizard passes out and they put stuff over his forehead, like. Why wouldn't you just put smelling salts? Like, is that too obvious? Anyway, they have good medical care in this world, apparently. Um, yeah, so he gets the glaive, and then we're in what is totally a set of, oh, yeah. of, of this, this pool in the middle of a dark forest, and there's a meteor that smashes down, and out of the lake comes, you know, the meteor smashes into the lake, and out of it comes, what was his name? It was a really long name. Yeah, who cares? I am Ergo the Magnificent. Short in stature, tall in power, narrow of purpose, and wide of vision. And I do not travel with peasants and beggars. Goodbye. So he's this weenie 
uh, something the mighty something the shorter mighty, shorter stature yeah. great of width low of IQ I don't know whatever uh, poor of acting talent but yeah he's a he's a shapeshifter and he sort of stalks off because he doesn't want to be seen with peasants like uh, Cowlin and Yanir. And then he sees a Cyclops and freaks out and runs away. It's like the most obvious thing that this, the Cyclops is going to be a good guy because he looks so nice and polite. Yeah. Like, he, there's nothing scary about him. He doesn't come lurk, you know, lurching out of the darkness. He's standing there smiling. Mm-hmm. It's like, I wonder if he'll be an ally later in the film. You think? You think? So yeah, so now, now it's a team of three. Now it's a party of three. The wizard, the fighter, the changeling. But now we need a group of fighters. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, he tries to threaten to turn Cowlin into a goose and turns himself into a, into a goose. Yeah. And, and that's a hell of an effect. That, that must have cost $20 for some guy on his lunch break at ILM. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, I don't know where the money where'd, for where'd this film went. And so they wander off a little more, and then like, they come through, again, what is clearly a set. Like, this is a mountainous set. And now there's more bad guys who are clearly not bad guys because there's too many, like, well-known actors in it. Like, this Robbie Coltrane is in this, and uh, Liam Neeson is here. There's just a bunch of guys with... Well, back to Robin Hood, they're the Merry Men. Yeah, I guess they are the Merry Men. Yeah, they're, they're, you know... Escaped convicts. That's right, that's true. Joining the rightful heir. Yeah, yeah, I I guess (sighs) they really did go for the Errol Flynn shit, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so these guys, they attack, and it's like... Uh, you don't look like the king. Oh, wait, you're old enough to be so-and-so's son. <laughs> the exact right age, in fact. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> to, the, to the moment, in fact. Yeah. yeah, well, actually what it is is when, when daddy died, Yanir grabbed the thing from around his yeah. neck, which was a representation of the glaive, and inside there was a, what I thought looked like a crucifix. Turns out it's a key. And as, been, and as they keep fucking saying over and over, <laughs> only the king and the Lord Marshal have that key. You think? You don't look like a, nor- a Lord Marshal. No. Oh! Yeah, so... It's, it, it's that kind of subtle writing. That... Yeah, and, and very quickly, well, you heard him. Now we're an army. Okay. You, you, the, the, mm-hmm. the accent yeah. isn't doing it for you? Not really, no. Okay. Fair. I'll stop that then. Thank you. Didn't work for the for the actress playing Lissette either, <laughs> no. as, it tur- as it turns out. <laughs> we may have to overdub you. With a British accent. Yes. Yes. So... Again, I, I, just, I just go back to that as I asked, how is it that dad has a thick British accent and she has an American accent? How did that work out? Immigration. Like, immigration. That must, that, we're going to go with that. So, but it's exactly the same thing with Cowlin. He's got an American accent and daddy has a British accent. Ooh. Ooh. So, I don't know. They, all, they go all off to boarding school or at a very young age and all the teachers. Huh. I think we're putting more thought into this than like the writer did. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now... We are an army. And the army goes off and, yeah, they finally, yeah, that's right. They finally, we had to see who the actual Cyclops is because he kills a slayer who's going after that, the jerk sorcerer. And finally he introduces himself. And this is where we learn the one legitimately interesting piece of lore in this film, which is how the Cyclops got one eye. He was aiming at a slayer, for they have ancient hatred between them. Long ago, his ancestors... Lived in a world far from Crowell and had two eyes like other men. Then they made a bargain with the beast who was the leader of the slayers. They gave up one of their eyes in exchange for the power to see into the future. But they were cheated. And the only future they are permitted to see is the time of their own death. I actually think that's pretty cool. That is a good bit of lore, yeah. yeah. That's you know, that's the only good bit of lore in this whole damn film. There is no lore in this film. Well, no. Th- this is, I think, what's missing is that. Well, I mean, okay, it's missing writing and, and special effects and everything else, but and it's also missing that fifty million bucks. I want to know where that went. But this could have been a like a really great film, but they just they skimped on everything. Yeah, they they rushed through the the interesting parts and spent too much time. Climbing mountains. Climbing mountains, yeah. You know, it's one of those things like everyone wants to be the next Star Wars. Yeah. And everyone says, well, how little effort can we put into it and still reach that threshold? And we've discovered that the threshold is somewhere just beyond the reach of Krull. Just beyond. Well, Star Wars can't even be the next Star Wars, though. That's true. I like the new ones. The I new mean, ones are better. So, yeah, yeah the, the prequels, we won't... We, we, well, they never happen. We, they, yeah, we shall not speak of them. 
that's absolute alternate reality. Alternate, absolutely. Lisa, so happy to see you. No, okay, I'm out. No, no, wait, come Bye. back. <laughs> anyway, so now they go on to the next the next uh, scenario of their Dungeons and Dragons uh, campaign, which is to see the seer, who's played by uh, John Gielgud, a great actor who I'm sure went to his deathbed regretting having been in this. And he's the emerald seer, and how do we know? Everything is green. green. Yeah, it's just, like, this description must seem so random, but, like, so is the movie. It's just just one set piece after another, none of them very good. And we meet, so we meet the seer and Titch, who has, like, the greatest haircut ever. No, that that haircut haunted me for 30 years. It's a bowl cut. Like, it's a pure bowl cut. Yeah, like I wonder sh- whether they shaved just, up and everything. I wonder if, like, they just put a wig on this kid or whether they made him grow it out and then just zapped him. Oh, like, I hope it's with a wig. Clippers. He, like, he's, you know, he's the standard sorcerer's apprentice, just less interesting than the one from Fantasia. Yeah. And so the seer, well, he sees, and of course he's blind, and he sees through a a, a spinning green emerald that... Because the whole idea is with the the beast's fortress is that every was it a dawn? Yeah, every yeah, day at every, dawn. Every day at dawn, it teleports somewhere else. So they got to find it quickly. Uh, and so the seer is the first the first attempt to figure that out. And so the emerald starts to spin in in in, in the air, and then out of nowhere, the hand of the beast comes out and crushes it. So you were busy playing with my dog. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You had more fun than I did. And yeah, and so that's the end of that. And they say, you know, the, the beast does not like seers poking around where they shouldn't be. But we can go to the Emerald Temple, I think it was. Sure. Which naturally is in the middle of a swamp because reasons. And so now because they... Because we haven't done a swamp level we yet. We haven't done a swamp. So now we've got the uh, we've got the king and the wizard and the shapeshifter and the seer and the fighters and the kid. What would he be? A bard, I guess? Or... No... Uh, it's a squire. This is some kind of yeah, uh, ju- so, junior monk acolyte. Yeah, so thinger. So we got our D and D party. They're yeah, all pretty they're much. All, yeah. all, and I, and you think, well, how could you have a party with like ten fighters? But like only two of them have lines, so we can just go. Well, with. yeah, but like there's um, if you're a king, you can have a following. Fair enough. They're, they're an NPC following. NPC following. So those yeah. are the NPCs. Are they awesome? Awesome. Yeah. So they go wandering through the swamps because, of course, they do. And there's a fight in the swamps between the. Uh, the slayers and the good guys. But one thing we haven't mentioned is these slayers have a really kick-ass way of dying. That's totally how I want to go. You shatter their head. No, you kill them. Yeah. And out of their their helmet, which is like a dome, a creature breaks through and digs into the ground. And those suckers go through granite. Like, they went through the yeah. the floor of that castle. Like, that so must have I, sucked. I don't think they're actually killing them. I think they're just killing the body. S- sending them back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they get a, they get a new suit of uh, armor. armor and... and they make that, that cool... Sound which yeah I'll, that was kind of yeah, yeah I'll actually dub that properly in oh okay no I'm not a special effects machine I also can't, apparently can't do accents so, so you couldn't I just <laughs> <laughs> we are an army okay I'll stop that now there are too many pointy things around here um, you're, you're actually not f- not far off of the way the guy sounded I think yeah, he was but that's actually his accent though. Yeah. The, the, the actor and I have no idea what the character's name is I don't think we ever find out he played the inspector in um, Patriot Games the police inspector yeah. in London that's that's where I know him from I'm sure he's done many other things that's the one thing with this film and Excalibur and a lot of other films like them it's all the same group of young yeah. actors like Liam Neeson is in this yeah but this is back when when he wasn't Liam Neeson. Yeah. yeah, he was just some dude. And Robbie Coltrane, many years before he was telling people, you're a wizard, Harry. I didn't recognize him, like, because he doesn't look anything like Hagrid. Well, I mean, okay, duh. But, <laughs> like, it's it just, he was young and fat then too, apparently. Poor guy. Slightly less. But he did a kick-ass job for Hagrid that... Yeah. But then again, we, we watched Ken Marshall and, like, remember how shocked I was to discover, like, oh my God, this guy played Eddington. Like, we're... <laughs> Well, Robbie Coltrane, though, is actually a, a really legit actor. What else has he done? He did something else, some uh, British series. Cracker. Cracker, that's the name of it. He's been in a, f- a few things. Yeah. But, like, for Hagrid, he went, like... All in. Amazing. Like well, that, he, whole, that whole series, like, you know, was it um, Roger Ebert had said that so many... 
big you know luminaries of British acting are in this are in these movies that at this point anyone who's not starring in one of these films must be offended yeah because it's like everyone all the big names are in that movie and it's just kind of funny yeah so there's a fight in the swamp and then there's a second no sorry there isn't the second fight there's the uh, instead there's the um, the quicksand the, the quicksand and then while the the quicksand is eating people a doppelganger a changeling whatever comes up behind the seer looks just like him and kills him yep i actually ap- appreciated the doppelganger that's that's a real dnd thing too oh totally totally they call it a changeling but that's really the same what it thing. is yeah. though it's funny in high school when a friend of mine described it as a doppelganger it was the first time i'd heard the term doppelganger really i'd never heard that so i was in my teens remember that I, i'm not a i'm not a fantasy guy that's, that's as true. i say as i've got like dungeons and dragons player manual and dm guide beside me here but it's, it's never too late it's never too late there's hope for me yet. Yeah, like I said I'm part of the cult, just a different, you know, different branch, a different yeah. branch, different, uh, different denomination. I'm from the BattleTech slash MechWarrior branch. See, of... we were introduced by our dad when I was ten. <laughs> this film must be come across very differently for a D and D player. Yeah, and it and it was only because I, like he played for a long time before he he let us play. Like we had mm. to be ten before my mom. Really? Was, yeah. Was that a religious thing or just a? Uh, just an ability thing. Okay. There are there are D and D attention span. Oh, okay. There are D and D campaigns designed specifically for under tens. Now. I think I sent you the copy of that. Uh, yeah, there are now. Nineteen eighty. Oh, I mean, I sent you a copy of that D and D form for yeah. kids. So, yep. and it was made by a guy who was taking his five-year-old through a campaign. Yeah. Just him, his wife would join in sometimes, and of course, as far as the kid knows, his dad's reading him a story that he gets to participate in. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, it's really good. It's yeah. it's amazing. But then the question is, did it lead you to Satanism? Not yet. Not yet. I'm working on it. You're working on it. No, no, not really. Not really, damn it. Sorry. Because now I'm into D&D, and this is part of the hope that I get invited to a satanic cult. You mean it's not going to happen? Uh, probably not. You Fuck can, that. You, you can come to church games. with me if you want, though. No, nah, I'm an atheist from a family of Jews. I'd burst into flame the minute I walked through the door. Or fall asleep one or the other. I've been to Catholic Church. I did, I did, I did um, church parade in the army because the other option was uh, <laughs> was, was study guide. It was well, uh, was yeah, uh, study, study hall, hall. And, and some miserable yeah. master corporal who didn't want to be there. But back to our movie, anyway, which yeah. yeah, I think our audience is starting to pick up that this movie isn't a lot of fun to talk about. There isn't much there. There isn't much there. There really isn't. So anyway, now doppelganger seer he doesn't last like more than a few minutes because the minute they come to the the temple, which we never see, we never actually see the Emerald Temple. We see the three trees that grow as one. Yeah. And remember, it's just beyond that. Uh, the little the little kid guy is like, I remember those trees. It's this way. Yeah. And just as they're approaching, the doppelganger tries to kill Cowlin, and that goes exactly as well as you think it should in a movie with a hero. So he has an even grosser death. Oh, yeah. He, his death he is just fantastic. Go, yeah. Like, he, he bubbles up and... Here is the knowledge you seek. Yep. <laughs> He goes, like, it's just... He sort of half transforms back into the slug creature, and then like the whole head sinks into the sand. Yeah. It's actually a good effect, but it's purely practical. Oh yeah, it's fa- it's great. And you know what the 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 model of the fortress is pretty good too. You oh, know what the problem really is? Really good. It, the practical effects are actually pretty damn yeah. good here. It's when they got ambitious and tried to do something that <clears throat> movies have been doing for a decade that they just fall. Yeah, <laughs> they no, they their their CG is poor. Yeah, it's a good thing they left the Cyclops to. Guard their rear at the quicksand. Ye- that's right, because that's where he discovers that the, the seer is dead. Body comes back up. Right, because the swamp there isn't actually quicksand. Remember that was yeah, the beast it was doing the that. Beast's power, yeah. Yeah. So the earth, the earth um, spit out the body of the, yeah, the true right. seer. Because once the, the beast isn't affecting the ground anymore, it doesn't become quicksand anymore. Which means that poor guy who drowned is probably up on the ground too. You know, uh, up on the surface now too. And yeah, looking pretty gross. But anyway, yeah. So the the the, the next uh, you know the the next. Uh, scenario in our, our D&D campaign is Yanir going to check out his old his old babe the, the widow, widow of the, of the web. web with a spider that totally totally is not a model that was badly built totally not to- totally not yeah and this is where we discover that Liam Neeson is a bigamist he's got like seven or eight wives and one of them is nearby and will fetch them food well he travels a lot woman in every port it's good to be the dude 
I, I guess. I, I, I always try to limit myself to one. And in terms of wives, zero. But yeah, I'm silly that way. One's, one's about as many as I can deal with. It's just plenty. Yeah. Well, Liam, Liam Neeson's character in today is what we call a fuckboy. Oh. Is that, is that the, is that the, the technical term? F-U-K-B-O-I. Fuckboy. Oh. That's someone who just sleeps around a lot. Gotcha. Or as I call them, douchebags. Here's Actually, the antibiotics. Ne- I, I, w- I wish I could. Yeah, I wish I could say that Liam Neeson's character is a good guy or a bad guy, but I don't know. He's just a guy. He's just he's just a dude with a sword. No, he's got an axe. Well, he he he, he takes care of the kid after the seer dies. That's true. He's he my only at- family. We're your family now. Yeah. While uh, so in the meantime, Liam Neeson's wife brings along some chick from the village who turns out is a doppelganger. And how do we know this? Because we shift back to the uh, to the castle where. Uh, Princess Peach, I mean, Melissa, she's running around and the beast is apparently following her. We don't know because we're not allowed to see the beast because of the makeup. You can bad. go anywhere in this castle. Yeah, which turns out to be not true because anytime she tries to go down a cord- corridor, one of the guards is there. So <laughs> well, I think this is where you noticed that it was a lot like her running around inside his body structure yeah yeah like there's a balcony that looks like a hand that's sort of outstretched and open with the fingers bent over and at one point she's standing on what looks like a balcony and we back off and we realize it looks like his eye and the sort of the left side of his face and and the corridors look like blood vessels and there's there's ribs in some of the chambers yeah and And you made an interesting point that of course the slayers are all black except the like the i guess we call them the royal guard yeah in the in the fortress they're all white because they're White blood vessels. White blood cells, yeah. White blood cells. I was, I was yeah. trying to be funny. But, you know, it's actually not... It, it could be a thing. I mean, it's... Sure, why not? Sure, let's go with that. The structure inside the fortress really does look like... Oh, yeah. Organic, like a body. But not in an icky way. Like, like everything is very pure and, and, and solid. Like, it's... Uh, the blood vessel we're looking at looks like this really cool sci-fi corridor, and yet it looks like a blood vessel. Yeah. With constriction there in the whole nine yards... And this is where the beast appears as Cowlin with those wicked, painful red contact lenses. Yeah, there's so many bad contacts in this. And those have got to hurt. Oh, the, f- the full eye, full black, and the full the, eye red and splotchy. Yeah, they're, well, the red, uh, they're like red cat's eyes or yeah. something like that. So yeah, so he appears as Cowlin and says, I, you know, don't worry about my form, I can appear as someone you love. And he says, look, I'm going to tempt you the real, you know, I'm going to tempt the real Cowlin, he won't be faithful. And that's where we realize that the chick from the village is a doppelganger. And when he says, no, I, I can't accept comfort for you, and she has none, I don't think she meant comfort is in a hug. Just saying. I think maybe she, she was didn't? offering... I think she's maybe offering more than a hug. Maybe oh. a kiss. Back up. <laughs> That's a good start. With his shirt on? So. Yeah. Well, you see, Heather, when a mommy and a daddy love each other very much... <laughs> is that what did it? <laughs> is that what does it? Like, you're one with a kid. Yeah, and, and so he... Once he... Once, the beast realizes that doppelganger chick isn't going to bed Cowlin. He swipes his hand and she drops dead. Drops dead. Does the, the standard eh, thing. And we don't actually get to see that. I guess they saved a few bucks because this was a low budget film. That was like, kind of, you know, it was more than twice what Raiders was. Yeah. Like it was Raiders 20, I think, or something like that. Like that's something t- like that. Yeah. And once again, we go back to Top Gun, which was 15. Okay. Plus, but yeah, you, know, you, you pl- plus can't the, plus, use Top Gun. Yeah. Plus, plus the over underwriting by the Navy. There's an asterisk on, 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 on Top Gun's budget. Yeah. So in the meantime, we go back to Yanir who goes into this cave and there's like this icky spider egg sack hanging in the middle of a web. And there's a big ass spider because when in doubt, go with a giant bug. Yep. Yeah, it's like... Giant spiders are a thing. Ugh. And so he climbs across the, the web and the spider's coming at him and he calls out the widow of the web's name, which is... <gasps> Lissa. Whoa. Who calls that name? It is I, Yanir. Well, why is it in fantasy they always start off with, it is I? Like, as opposed uh... to what? It is him. <laughs> it is him, Yanir. Well, then why am I talking to you? It's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's we? Yeah. So anyway, she he goes to the, the middle of the web where we meet uh, Lady Jessica Atreides. I mean, Lady of the Web. <laughs> the Widow of the Web. Uh, Fran- Similar outfit too, man. Yeah, Francesca Ann. And she's this little old lady. And again, I, th- I, I found this kind of neat for sentimental reasons that he only sees her as the beautiful young woman he loved. And so she's able to see herself that way as right. a young woman. And Frances- Francesca Ann was a beautiful actress in that day. I mean, she looked really good in Dune. She looks good here. Yep. So here she's got that medieval widow thing going with the weird hat and the whole nine and the yards. veils and the, yeah. Yeah. And her superpower is she's got some weird ass 
giant hourglass thing. And she's able to, she knows where the, she can see, she's another seer. This place is just lousy with seers. <laughs> and, and they're all like old, miserable people. The blind person, the one trapped by the spider. And why is she there, by the way? Oh, right. She murdered her and Yanir's son because Yanir was off working. It's, like, it's called postpartum. Postpartum. That's a heck of a postpartum. <laughs> she murdered her kid because he was away from home and she couldn't get her hands on him. They got such kick-ass medicine here. They don't have counseling. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a goop for that. You rub on the. There's floor. probably a goop for that. Yeah. So turns out Yanir and her had a thing. Apparently, she isn't the purest, pure as uh, the driven snow thing. She, she, you would think she is, but she had a baby. And it I does don't say widow. It doesn't say virgin. Well, yeah, but there, but she's not a widow. Well, no, he's still alive. Also, I don't think they're married. Are they? I don't think it ever says. I don't he, know. He loved her. The, they, the generic fantasy, and I loved her. They were a, a thing. Yeah, yeah, which is another way of saying that, you know. He banged. We, we, we banged. Yeah. And so she tells him where to find the uh, the fortress. And then, in a total dick move, breaks the hourglass. because well, he... She can only turn it over She once. can only turn it over once, right. so he can't escape with the information. Right, because that's how he got into the egg yeah. sack to begin with. She overturned the uh, hourglass and, and the, the spider froze, but she can't do that twice. So she pours the sand into his hands. Yeah, it's the sand of, of her life's force. She pours it into his hand but and the says... the sands of time. Oh, by the way. the days of our lives. <laughs> Sorry. Ah. <laughs> Don't cry, Heather. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. <laughs> Sorry, that had to come out at go, some point. Go back, go back to the bad sci-fi. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she, so she pours it into his hands, and she's like, oh, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> when this runs out, you're dead. And now you have to climb a web that you barely manage with two... With, with a double handful of sand. <laughs> yeah. And so he manages to get out because... And, and, and down the mountain. And down the mountain. In the meantime, the spider goes and kills her because she will give her name for she who has her name. That's okay, whatever, The sand is also spider spider repellent. Sure. She said that. Now you hold the sand, the spider can't get you. Yeah, I guess that's... Is that why the spider left her alone? Yeah, I think so. Okay, whatever. So anyway, he... he, uh, I'm, he I'm... I'm guessing a lot you were guessing I'm, a lot I'm, I'm at him i'm what uh there's a fancy word for that bullshit yes <laughs> he comes down the mountain stands on a stone and declares in the most ridiculously overdramatic way possible where to find the fortress and these three guys they run to the base of that rock and, and like you know they've been told wait to catch him when he falls as opposed to like climbing up the side to steady him because he's clearly not doing so well <laughs> no they wait for the, the old bastard to collapse and roll down the rock so they can catch him it's like a drama class exercise it really is and then the last of his you know sand falls out and he <gasps> dies and I am spent yeah well uh, whatever you know, whatever he wasn't that interesting to begin with but who will give him the healing goop when does he turn into a force ghost I think it was in the sequel that never got made. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. So, <laughs> so they go off and they realize, well, the, what is it, the Iron Desert? Yes. Is a thousand leagues away. One of these days I want to find out how long a league is. Because everyone in fantasy... Well, let's ask. Yeah, I, I, got, I got a phone. Yeah. Okay, Google. How long is a league in kilometers? One nautical league is equal to 5.556 kilometers. This is the problem anytime I listen to a podcast where they say Google. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the podcast stops and yeah. there's one guy, uh, John Lovett, he does Love It or Leave It. He's one of the Crooked Media podcasts. Anytime he says the word Google, it triggers my phone. It's like, God damn it, John. Every, every Christmas when they're advertising Google Home, it, it wakes up all our devices. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it won't do that for Siri, but then Siri will drive you into lake. I'm, into a lake, I'm told. So I think that was Google, actually. No, was, was that it Siri? That was, that was like oh. Apple Maps. Whoops. Driving people into lakes. Yeah. Though, if you're just paying attention to your phone and not like the you know road yeah, in front uh, of you, look up. Yeah, yeah look up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so uh, it's a thousand leagues away, or how long did we say? Um, five point five six kilometers. Five point five six thousand. Yeah, times a thousand. So it's a really long way away. Uh, that's essentially, that's the width of North America. Plus, so that's way more than that. Whatever, moving on. I don't care that Aww. much. But, but <laughs> so, math. But math. 5.5. Welcome to We Came for the 80s, the podcast where we do math for shitty films. 5,560. It's a long way off. Yeah. But the fire mares will get them. Now, what are the fire mares? Well, I'm glad you asked, Heather, because the fire mares are Clydesdale. <laughs> 
Or draft horses or what? Some kind of draft horse, yeah. yeah. And so they capture these horses in a, a, a horse taming scene, which is only slightly better than the one we watched Clinton Spillsbury do in The Legend of the Lone Ranger. There's way less grunting. I don't miss the grunting. No, neither do I. Those were really well, well-trained horses not to freak out shooting this, though. Like, oh, yeah. Running them around in the, in the dead end in the mountains. Oh, and the one guy who jumps on and bounces off. Jumps on and falls off. Like, first off, ouch. Yeah. Like, like that was rough on the on the on the stunt man, but the fact that horse didn't or that we tell that one horse, the one that um, and Calvin was tying up, the gray one, just how pissed off that horse looked. <laughs> he was not happy. You know, the like, gray one's the leader, and that means what? There's yeah. three gray ones. So they they capture the fire mares, and this is where we learn that the uh, the, the cyclops has to stay behind because this is where he's going to die, and if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't. Meet his Accept fate. His fate. It'll yeah. be painful for him, uh, which turns out was totally right. Totally was. <laughs> so they ride off on these fire mares, and if you thought the riding from Legend of the Lone Ranger was bad, there's one point where the horse is just sort of clearly just sort of standing there, and Neeson's on the back of it riding this thing <laughs> like <it's... laughs> the horse is like looking over its shoulder, <laughs> going, "What are you even doing? <laughs> what is your problem, dude?" And, and the kid's behind him going, "Go, go." <laughs> <laughs> and the horse is just standing there. The best is when they go off the cliff and the horses are still riding, which is a cool effect. Yes. You know, that's, that's the one special effect they did really well. When you see the line of mares from a far distance and it's just a line of fire. That was neat. That's cool. Like, it's simple because it clearly was hand-drawn. But it was cool. But anytime you're up close, you can see the black lines yeah. driven like because of the, the, the blue screen. It's brutal. And, but remember when they went off the cliff and they're flying and... Uh, you could still hear the thunder of their hooves, like they're on air, and the horse isn't moving at all. Um, there was a storm in the distance. Production yeah. values. Yeah. There's many things they forgot to do with that fifty million dollars, and one of them apparently was including like a real director of photography slash cinematographer. Well, there's director. There's a consistency guy, right? Like, I think he may have. I think that's where that's where the money I, went. I don't think they hired a consistency. They guy. They did. He was the one snorting all that cocaine. All coke. That's where the fifty million went. We figured it out. He's the same consistency guy from Legend of the Lone Ranger. Probably. Remember, <laughs> wrong side. Yeah. Hey, look, there's the springboard. It's it's the same dude. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So yeah, so they ride the uh, fire mares, which again was a cool looking scene, up to the edge of the fortress, and they start to climb it. And the slayers show up and shoot at them, and they're pinned down. And that's where the cyclops shows up, and one of the only interesting character moments. In the entire film, this the cyclopsism is fantastic. He's he's the Samwise Gamgee. Uh, sort of, yeah. Except he's yeah. he's not a like he's not a coward who finds his courage. Like this is a guy who like he knows he's not going to die, yeah, so he might as well true. fight, right? But just you know the act of sacrifice, knowing that things are going to go really badly for him, and Jesus Christ, they do because he he holds open a like the fortress looks like a mountain. Yeah. But the door slides open to let everyone in. Well, not to let everyone in. He, to, to let the bad guys to out. To let, let the bad guys shoot at you. The Cyclops holds the door open so everyone can sneak under him. And then he gets squished. He took about three blasts on his way up, too. Yeah, they were using him as a shield. Well, the problem is they kept shooting him in the left shoulder. Did you notice? Every, every wound ever like, in the 80s movies is, like, haven't, is haven't the left you, shoulder. Yeah. like in this, Apparently in this world, humans have like armor plating under the skin, but just on the left shoulder. Yeah. It's just... Now, well, and it heals fast. It does wicked fast. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter for him because those are the least of his wounds because yeah. the door squishes him. It turns him into Cyclops jelly. Yeah. Well, at one point, like the guy's still fighting. Like the, the leader of these <laughs> fighters is still fighting. He's like, dude, he's he's one inch thick at this point. He's done now. <laughs> you can let him go now. Yeah. What are you going to rescue? A, he died a few inches ago. <laughs> yeah. You. See, if this were a modern day film, you would have seen the, the skull split and the goo just go flying out of the crack. Yeah. But here they they cut away from the actual actual gore and violence in this one a lot. There is actually is there like there's blood on the floor a few times, but I don't think there's really No, you never Like even when Cowlin is injured, there's some red on his shirt. Yeah. But that's and you and you see it looks like I, I for lack of a better term, it looks like a laser wound, which is frankly what it was. Yeah. Because the slayers have that one laser shot from the one end of their weapon and then they fight with the other end of it but that went through and through them but yeah there's like no blood there's no gore the closest they get to gore is the slayer the way they die 
and the doppelganger, like when the seer yeah. doppelganger goes, that's a little gross, but that's just makeup. Yeah. Like there's no blood, there's no slime. Yeah. Well, except the Ghostbuster slime that's meant well, to be lava. Than, other than the goo, yeah. Yeah, other than the goo that's meant to be lava, but yeah, that hides the glaive and whatever. So yeah, so they managed to get into the the fortress, and I'm gonna spa- I'm gonna pause for a couple seconds while you, the audience, fill in how this ends. Because it'll finish. It'll, you know, yeah. If, if you, you let me know how it's going to finish. If you've been alive for the last 20 years, you know how this goes. Yeah. They wander around. They get split up. They find the girl. They fight the beast. He uses the glaive. It sticks in the beast. The beast isn't dead yet. Then they finish their ceremony, which, if you remember, includes fire. fire. And they burn the dude. Uh, they burn the beast. Which it, it turns out it's not the glaive. It's their love. It's their love, yeah. L- it's symbolized by the fire. Yeah. Which... Galen can now shoot from, shoot his, from hand. his hand. And apparently that fire, sort of like dragon fire in Game of Thrones, doesn't just heat things up super well. It's not really just good for bar- for the barbecue weekend with your family. It can also break through stone. <laughs> yeah. Like really well. The thing is, when he shoots it and you see that, like from outside the fortress, you see that massive stream of fire come out. That goes a good hundred feet. Yeah, it looks like so, smog coming out of the mountain. Yeah. So here's the thing. When they were in there, they were right up against that piece of rock. So where did that fire go when it was being deflected by the rock before it break up, broke out? Magic fire. Magic fire. So it doesn't consume them all in a horrible burning... No, no. Okay. It's 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 love fire. Love fire. It doesn't... Shut up. Love fire. Shut up. <laughs> That's our new thing. Love fire. <laughs> Better than I am your Farron, I guess, but uh, yeah. You'll always be our Farron. Uh, anyway... <laughs> And that is the final episode of... (laughs) And so, yeah, so they escape and they run through a field and it ends exactly the way you think it does. The the one of two last surviving fighters becomes the Lord Marshal. Because only the king... (laughs) The Lord Marshal can have the key. So, and now he he isn't an army, but he controls an army. Whatever. It's like this film... As fun as it is, and, and as amusing as it is, and as much as I do recommend you show it to your kids, it's a, it's a bad fucking movie. It's super bad, but it's also great. So, okay, so you've seen it now for the first time, as you put it, in a thousand years. Yeah. I, so what do you think of it? Um, <laughs> uh, it's, I don't, uh, it's not as good as I remember. Really? It's not as good as you remember when you were 10 years old? Yeah. I find this shocking. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I think I noticed more details this time. <laughs> Would you show this to your son? Yeah, absolutely. Your son is six? Yeah, six and a half, yeah. You wouldn't be freaked out by it? No, actually, we showed him Harry Potter and the... Philosopher's Stone. Uh, about, about two weeks ago. Three uh, weeks ago? And how is he with that? He didn't sleep for a week. Um, wow. He, he loves the world. Voldemort scared the shit out of him. When he discorporates from Quirrell. Quirrell. It's, it's, it's unfortunate his name starts with Q-U. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate for him too, as it turns out, because he's he's just as bad as you are. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Both. Oh, mm. you want, do you want to go there? No, we don't. <laughs> I got some things to say about that particular trope. <laughs> but yeah, it's so this film is. But this, I don't think would would bother him because because it's so poorly done. Because it's, what about the the way the slayers die? Would that creepy nope. sound? No, that would do. No, it's um. No, I don't think so. Hmm. Okay. I think probably Raimi wouldn't be showing this to his girls, but his youngest girl, or his oldest girl, I think is like three. Yeah. So yeah. His, his be... kids are about three years younger than mine. And yeah. Well, the, well, the one is a baby. I think, he, I think she's just a year old. And, and, a year and, and a half. And my, my one's a third generation geek, so she's, yeah. she's had a different upbringing than Raimi's girl. Well, hey, uh, Raimi uh, played D&D. That's true. But is there a spell I can have so my character can have fire love? I think they have a cream for that. <laughs> Antibiotic. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I think we're going to end it here. We have a pub lunch ahead of us and then another movie, which I promise you is better than this one. Anything else you want to add? Did you want to rate this? <laughs> on a scale of one to five flames from the hands, I don't know. Okay, 10-year-old me gives it a four. 40-something-year-old me gives it a... What was I thinking? <laughs> I think we're going to let that stand. And there it is. <laughs>